What is up? This is Greg Schnoes, host of the Bevo Broadcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Do us a favor, like and subscribe to the podcast. If you could, please, we would much appreciate it. Well, season's over. Eight and four. Outside chance of the Big 12 title. How do we feel about this season? Well, if you've been listening to these podcasts since the beginning of the year, I was using terms as like cautious optimism, maybe tap the brakes. They're going to be young on the offensive line. Quinn Ewers hasn't played since his junior year of high school, who's going to be your starting quarterback. Yes, they had great skill talent uh, talent at the wide receiver running back positions. Defense, we weren't sure what we were going to get. Started playing really good ball at the end of the year. But all in all, from not making the bowl game last year to going to 8-4 and four with an outside shot of getting to the Big 12 championship game, if, again, I would have told you this in August, everybody would have said yes. Going into the last game of the season against Baylor after Thanksgiving, hey, if you win and another game goes a certain way, you're in the conference championship. Now, is that ideal that you have to win, you know, hope that somebody else – you know, you need some help to get in? No, of course not, but sometimes that's the way things go. So you'll take it. December 29th in the Alamo Bowl, Texas Longhorns will be playing the Washington Huskies. And if you're a Longhorn fan, I know you remember that 2001 Holiday Bowl against Washington where it was an amazing comeback by Major Applewhite in his last game as a Texas quarterback. I think he threw for like over 400 yards or something insane. I mean, it was a huge comeback. Didn't look too good at halftime, and Texas came back one incredible game. Holiday Bowl traditionally, for some crazy reason, always has such just exciting and, you know, come from behind victories in that bowl game. So usually it doesn't matter who plays in it for some reason. Just special things seem to happen out there in San Diego for that bowl game. And Texas was one of the many memorable games in that history of their uh, Holiday Bowl. But, okay, so eight and four. Honestly, that's, I think, where Texas was going to be. You had a lot of... A lot of question marks. You had an offensive line. You were starting a lot of young guys, true freshmen, basically a true freshman at quarterback. So at some of the most important positions, you had nothing to go on other than like high school film and to get to eight and four. And hey, is it what Texas wants every year? Probably not. But yeah, talk about a crazy year in the Big 12. Texas goes eight and four. TCU has this incredible season. K-State wins the conference, which is just crazy. Considering that I saw Texas roll up 30 on them at halftime <laughs> in a game just a month ago. So it was a crazy year for the Big 12. Oklahoma was horrible. I I saw that coming. <laughs> I'll toot my own horn there. I was not, uh, not sure how OU could lose so much and still not skip a beat. But, hey, you know, it happened. But, yeah. Texas, is it ideal to be playing in the Alamo Bowl? No. But is it an improvement from last year? Yes. So if you're just going on a year-to-year basis, 7-5 to 8-4, you'll take it. Outside shot of conference championship, you'll take it. Alamo Bowl from no bowl, it's an improvement. Now, ultimately, in the big picture, is this where Texas wants to be? Of course not. Texas wants to be competing for conference championships, college football playoff, be in the mix for a national title. That's what Texas standards should be. And, again, I'll say it again. I've said it before. I've said it on my own podcast. I've said it on here as well. I think Texas gets held to this ridiculous standard that nobody else in the country gets held to. 
that somehow Texas, just because of its location, you know, all these so-called resources and everything else, it's like, well, look at all the coaches at Texas that they've had in their history. Do you think you know more than those guys about football? Do you think you could do a better job than Daryl Royal and Matt Brown? Because last I checked, those are the only two guys that have won championships here recently, and not so recent. So for all you for all you people that love to just trash Texas and say all these ignorant things about them, do you think you know more about football than Daryl Royal and Matt Brown? Do you think you could be a better coach? Do you think it's just as easy as you just show up, say, all right, boys, let's go out there and get them, and that's it, and you win a title? If you think it's that easy, you're probably the dumbest person on earth. Honestly, because if it's so easy, why doesn't Texas win one every year? If it's so easy, USC and California, why don't they win one every year? If it's so easy, why doesn't Florida or Florida State win one every single year? Florida's not in the mix. Florida State's not in the mix. USC did this year. What did they do for the handful of years before that, post Pete Carroll, if we really want to be honest? So if it's so easy, why isn't Ohio State winning championships every year? They got a great tradition. They have. They've been able to recruit nationally to Ohio, of all places. Remember the John Cooper era? Couldn't beat Michigan. Won a bunch of games, couldn't beat Michigan. What, after, what happened after Cooper? Yeah, they weren't too hot there at Ohio State for a minute, were they? And then they get in. Then they bring in guys like Jim Tressel. Things turn around, had a little bit of problems. Urban Meyer, definitely off the field issues, but was very successful and was winning football games. And now Ryan Day. So... Ohio State's been in a great run of football here for a while, but what were they for, I don't know, 40 years before? Were they winning a bunch of national titles every year? Not that I recall. Miami had a great run in the 80s and 90s. They haven't done anything since. Florida State had a great run at the same time. They won a championship in 2013, but before that, what was it? Bobby Bowden finishing in the top 10 a lot, but not winning it. So, it's hard to win championships in this game. People like Nick Saban and doing what he did is the very rare exception. So quit holding the feet to the fire of all these guys who are better at their job than you, know more than you, and <laughs> just stop the madness. Stop saying Texas is all these things when if all these coaches, I mean, are they just that bad at their job? Like, what is the deal? Why isn't Texas winning? Like, if you don't have the answer other than, well, they should win more, then you're – I don't know what to tell you. But – Needless to say, 8-4 and four is an improvement from last year. You will take it. It was a crazy year in the Big 12, like I said. TCU goes on this on this run, and I'll just give you my two cents on that. This is going to be it for TCU. Meaning, sure, they had a great season. They went undefeated. They wet the bed in the conference championship game and lose. And I think a lot of, just like everybody does, complaining, whining, we deserve to be here. Everybody does it every year. I hate it, but this is what the world we are in with college football and the playoff. TCU is going to play Michigan, probably going to get the brakes beat off of them. Good for them. They had a great season, but this will not be sustained success for TCU. And I just point to College Station, a school that's bigger, that has more resources, that spends more money, that does all these things. And what have they done? Because all I heard in 2012 when Johnny won the Heisman, all I heard is, we got our quarterback, we got our coach, we're going to take over the SEC, and blah, 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 blah. What has AM done since? Since 2012, they've had one top 10 finish. 
That was in 2020, the COVID year. Does that really count? So if you throw that out, they've had zero top 10 finishes since 2012. Fired Sumlin, who's the coach who I heard was going to be, you know, oh, oh, Texas, yeah, he's going to run Texas. Yeah, I think they even had a thing, we run this state, this little motto or whatever, you know, whatever the thing they want to call it at AM at the time. And it didn't work out ultimately. And they caught lightning in a bottle. That's what TCU did. They caught lightning in a bottle. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, if you just look at AM, who had that great year, they've had zero 10 win seasons since 2012. They've had zero conference titles. Their best year was the COVID year. Jimbo had this great recruiting class. They had a horrible season this year. Most of those guys are in the transfer portal right now. So I'm just saying, TCU, enjoy this moment in the sun while you can because it's going to be fleeting and it might be a long time till it happens again. Is Sonny Dykes a great coach? I mean, is this a guy that was just winning year in and year out at a big school and just all of a sudden was like, you know what, I think TCU is a good opportunity. No, he left SMU to go to TCU. Yeah, and there was reports that, yeah, maybe Texas wanted him, this, that, and the other. There's no guarantee from any guy going to any school what any predictable outcome is. Show me anybody that showed that said this was going to be the outcome for TCU this year with Sonny Dykes because he's such a great coach and such a great leader. I will pay anybody any amount of money to show me, oh, yeah, I predict an undefeated college football playoff first because Sonny Dykes is just the guy. Nobody thought that. Absolutely nobody. So... Congrats, TCU. It's not going to last. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just look at AM as your example. But if we're bringing it back to Texas, well, speaking of the transfer portal, Hudson Cards in the portal, among many others, just like everybody else in college football this year and every year now that we have this college football portal. Oh, one more thing in my notes I forgot to mention. With TCU being short-lived, in the top 50 recruits in Texas ranked right now, Oregon has more guys committed in the top 50 than TCU does from Texas. Oregon. I rest my case, Your Honor. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Hudson Card in the portal. And I'm not surprised that he's wanting to go someplace else and potentially start and play. He did very well when Ewers got hurt in the game against Alabama, almost pulls that win out with a high ankle sprain, not being 100% in any of the games he played in. So I think he should have played in some of the games late in the year, Oklahoma State, off the top of my head. That's one that probably should have been right then and there. It, it just blew my mind how if you just look at Clemson with Dabo and their quarterback situation, with DJ, whose last name I can't pronounce, <laughs> who was the starter, but he wasn't getting it done, got benched at home against Syracuse. Cade Klubnick from, little drum roll there, Austin, <laughs> Texas, uh, I believe was number one recruit in last year's class. Uh, Cade Klubnick from Westlake, who's produced plenty of guys. Obviously, Sam Ellinger, former Texas quarterback, I believe Nick Foles. And then you have Drew Brees, so, and probably many more that I'm missing off the top of my head right now. But in Texas' own backyard, goes to Clemson, young man comes in and wins the game against Syracuse, who I believe was ranked at the top 25 at the time. And then, as we saw this past weekend, DJ comes in, doesn't start the game off very well. They're bringing Klubnik, two TDs on his first two drives, and then they win the game convincingly. So now I'm, am I saying that Quinn Ewer should have been benched and roll with Hudson Card permanently? I don't think I, I don't think that would have been necessary, but it definitely would have been 
a something that needed to happen for Texas. There was too many times late in the season where yours just did not look good. If you watch the end of that Baylor game, they're running the ball down their throat. I believe Texas was averaging between Roshan and Bijan, running for over well over 200 yards in that game. Their combined average was just under seven yards a carry, and Baylor couldn't stop it. They get the ball again after, I believe, Baylor either punts or kicks field goal or something like that. Ewers tries to throw the ball, turns it over. Baylor, boom, back in it, momentum. It, and I was sitting there screaming at the TV going, what are you doing, Sark? It's working. It's seven yards a clip. Keep running the football. <laughs> yeah, Ewers is just – he has just not looked good for the second half of the season for as good as he looked at OU and fitting the ball into tight windows and just making things happen. For what I've seen and what I've read, his footwork needs uh, – Needs to be improved. His mechanics need to be improved. I never played quarterback. I have no earthly idea the nuances of playing the position. That's why I rely on people like Joe Platt and uh, uh, JT O'Sullivan is another guy who I started watching. He's got a YouTube channel, uh, the QB School. Definitely check that out if you really want to nerd out on football and quarterback position and you know the way the game is played and schematically. I definitely recommend looking him up on YouTube. JT O'Sullivan, the QB School. Definitely worth. You will definitely learn something every time you watch his videos. But yeah, with Hudson Card, he should have came in and gave gave the Longhorns a uh, you know a spike or something, you know, a jolt of energy, just because he also he's a mobile guy. Yours is a, I don't want to say a statue, but he's more your pro pocket type of guy. Stay in the pocket, not gonna really scramble. He can, but Hudson Card is definitely a dual threat guy. He can move move around and get things done, with, especially if you got guys like Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. That's just another added element to the running game. So, Sark, I definitely am not happy with that in the moments that they had and things they could have done better. But overall, it is what it is. But Hudson Card, I mean, you go from having Quinn Ewers, Hudson Card, to Malik Murphy on the roster. Now you have Quinn Ewers with Arch Manning as we transition here into our recruiting talk. Arch Manning, number one overall recruit coming in. Malik Murphy was a five-star, got, I believe, downgraded to a four-star recruit. Uh, in the recruiting process last year, but he redshirted. So now you're looking at a quarterback room with uh, two former number one overall commits or uh, recruits in the country with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. And then Malik Murphy, who's a high four-star. The way I look at it now is, you know, with Arch Manning coming into January as an early enrollee and spring football, just a hop, skip, and a jump around the corner, is Arch... I mean, I, from everything I heard and read, Arch Manning and the Manning family is everything I read throughout this whole recruiting process was content on not having to be the guy that have to come in right away and start as a freshman and was more than happy to possibly redshirt and not have to be the savior of a program. So well, Quinn Ewers looking kind of rough. I don't know. I mean, if Arch comes in, I don't think he's not going to compete, obviously. But if he comes in and plays better than Quinn Ewers and he, he's named the starter, obviously there's a lot between now and then. But we'll see. And then with Malik Murphy, if he's behind a true freshman and somebody else in the same class as him, when it comes to the quarterback's, uh, excuse me, the quarterback position, does he hit the portal maybe in spring in the summer? Because he's like, hey, man, I'm never going to see the field here. So you can potentially have a quarterback room with a lot of depth to, oh, no, what just happened in a matter of one season. But that's the world of college football. That's the quarterback 
position, and that's the transfer portal. That is the new world that we live in, and you can go that quick. So, but it, we'll keep it on the positive side here. There's some that that's a putting a lot, you know, cart before the horse type of stuff, and we can't really. We'll worry about that when we get there. <laughs> let's, let's just worry about it then. So we got Arch Manning, number one overall recruit coming in from Louisiana. We have John T. Cook, number seven recruit in the state of Texas, wide receiver out of DeSoto, which, by the way, DeSoto is playing Geyer High School from Denton, who's starting quarterback Jackson Arnold, who's a five-star quarterback recruit from Oklahoma, with a couple other uh, highly ranked guys. who I believe they have a safety going to Notre Dame as well. But that might be a game I might be seriously checking out this Saturday. It's at the Ford Center here in Frisco where the Cowboys practice, uh, which is maybe a 15-minute ride from my uh, my place. So, but yeah, definitely might want to check that out. But Jonte Cook, you know, potential four-star, I mean, potential five-star, four-star receiver. Uh, and then you have Colton Vosick, who's number 17 in Texas, who flipped from OU, defensive end, whose dad played at Texas, which blew my mind that a kid who's been raised in burnt orange since birth uh, would even consider going to Oklahoma, but hey, you know, got to maybe want to blaze your own path. I get that, but thank goodness he saw the light and <laughs> flipped to Texas. Uh, and you know, it's another kid from Westlake, another you know the powerhouse program in Austin. And then you also have Cedric Baxter, who's a top five recruit in Florida. Uh, I believe number thirty two in the country overall, five star running back, or maybe he's only a four star. Excuse me. And then, uh, like I said, you're Colton Vosick, Malik Muhammad, who are number 40 and 34, defensive end and DB. And then put, oh, don't get, I almost forgot to mention, Texas has two of the top 10 recruits in the state and committed to Texas with the potentially third happening with Anthony Hill, who was a longtime commit to Texas A&M, who was decommitted. And it seems like hopefully, possibly from reading all the tea leaves and everything I've seen and read, he's a linebacker, top linebacker in the state of Texas. It, he was at, the uh, he was at Texas for a game for an official visit, and so that's a potential flip right there. So Texas could go from having the number one recruit in the country, three out of the top ten, uh, three guys in the top ten from Texas committed to UT, and then you know Cedric Baxter, who's the top, uh, what I say, number thirty-two recruit in the country out of Florida, running back. It's going to hurt to lose Bijan and Roshock for sure, but as you saw with what Texas has on campus right now. And then guys like Cedric Baxter coming in. Sark can recruit. Now these guys need to – now they got to – I don't want to say put up or shut up, but if it's me, I'm saying just so slightly that seat's getting a little warm for Sarkeesian. And the reason why is you've got a lot of this talent. We'll give you the mulligan on the first year, but the second half collapses things have got, have got to stop. Now Texas has made some progress, you know, from no bowl game to a bowl game, winning eight games. If they win a bowl game, that'll be nine to beating a tough Iowa State team in a trap game, so to speak. Keeping TCU, I think this gets missed in a lot of this. If you look at TCU's uh, points per game, if there's only one game where they score less than, I think, like 30. It's uh, Texas. And one of those TDs came on a long run where linebacker just took a bad angle and give credit to the running back for TCU. The man, great young man made a great play, but when that's seven out of 17, I'm just saying. <laughs> so there's reason for optimism in Texas. You've got a lot of offensive firepower coming in, along with defense, and another year with this coaching staff, and another year of guys buying in. But this is going to take another type of different mindset because you have, you're losing leadership like guys like Rashawn Johnson, you're losing your best player in B. John Robinson, you're losing a guy like Xavier Worthy 
not uh, not excuse me, Xavier Worthy. Uh, DeMarvion Overshot at linebacker. Xavier Worthy was rumored to leave, but he's going to stay. It looks like uh, rumors that he might be getting recruited someplace else from the portal. But he is still at Texas Longhorn as we speak. So you're losing guys on both sides of the ball. That's college football. It's the name of the game. But you got a lot of guys that are coming in, and they believe in what Sark is doing. I think ultimately, maybe, possibly this offseason, I don't, I don't know. This is just my opinion, obviously. I think Steve Sarkeesian needs to step back from the play calling, be the CEO of the program, like a lot of these big-time schools are, like Dabo down in Clemson, obviously Kirby in Georgia, Nick Saban, Alabama. If you want to be in that upper echelon of programs, you need to be the guy who's overseeing everything. You can't just be solely focused on the offense and calling plays. And I know with Sarkeesian, it's going to probably be really hard to get that up, but I think for this for ultimately for this team to go to where it needs to go and winning conference championships and winning national championships, Sarkeesian needs to take a step back, give the give the keys to the offense to somebody else, and just step back and be the CEO of this thing. It seems like that's just the way it works. And if that can happen, no doubt in my mind, Texas could really make a huge leap. But will that happen? I, I don't think so. But, you know, who knows between now and then. Between now and the season, I mean, we're sitting in December. Season doesn't start until a long time from now. You got spring football. We got a bowl game here in a few weeks. Uh, summer workouts. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and then. So, I'd like to see it happen. If I, if I was betting man on that, I'd probably say no. But anything's possible. So it's uh, there's reason for optimism. You got if you look at now the Texans. Okay, what you got now? Your offensive line is a strength. All these young guys that you played have played all year, so now your offensive line is a strength. That's if there's a unit that you want to be experienced and the strength of a uh, offensive football team, you would say it's the offensive line. And if Quinn Ewers can clean up these things and live up to his potential, now you've got a really big piece in the quarterback with his offensive line, Xavier Worthy coming back. So it's like, and then filling guys like Jonte Cook on offense, who's a true freshman, who will be a true freshman this year. Along with guys that have made some impacts, you know, if Jordan Whittington comes back, you got Jatavian Sanders. So it's like there's a lot of good on this offense. There's a potential for this offense to be really good. It, I think it's just going to fall on the shoulders of Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers, coaching him up, getting the best out of his ability. And if he's not the guy, having the stones to say, hey, you know, Arch earned it or whoever, this is the guy, and this is how we're going to roll. So. We'll see. So, but yeah, lots to look forward to. Look forward to the bowl game. We'll get into that here. Now we got basketball season. Texas lost a tough one last night to Illinois. Ugh, man, blew a lead in overtime. Just uh, terrible. But yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, lots of stuff coming up. You know, recruiting. We got National Signing Day coming up recently here in a few weeks. Uh, so obviously the holidays and then all sorts of good stuff. The bowl game. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be here. You know, there's still a ton of football to talk about. We're getting into basketball, recruiting season, all this fun stuff. So it never ends. You know, college sports, it, it, especially uh, football, it, and especially in a place like Texas, it's always it's always relevant. There's always something going on. There's always a story. And then, like I said, we've got basketball. We've got baseball coming up. And then spring football will be around the corner. So all sorts of stuff, as always, here on the B-Ball broadcast. So thank you so much for tuning in and checking us out once again. And uh, as I always like to say, please like and subscribe to the podcast. I would appreciate you doing that. If you could, please. My name is Greg Schnoes, host of the Bevo Broadcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network, and I will talk to you soon. Have a great day.